today to suggest that Mike Clevenger is the answer. I'm definitely not here to predict that Clevenger will be the target. But there's something about him that seems to fit at least as a prototype. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers, Penguins in the same place that you found this. Clevenger's 33. He's not going to excite anybody. If you're unfamiliar with his work, it's because a lot of it took place in the other league. Right-hander had five outstanding years. In Cleveland, then you know how this story goes. Tommy John surgery comes back, loses some of his zip, loses some of his swing and miss, inconsistent across the board. So have I turned you off yet? Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, hang on then. This past season with the White Sox, and for my money, this is what counts the most because this is what's part of his ongoing trajectory, and again, he's only 33. He had a 3.77 ERA over 24 starts. Right there. Stop right there. And that's a pitcher who is an upgrade over most of what the Pirates have and almost all of what the Pirates had in 2023. All right? He also had 110 strikeouts over 131 innings. There were 40 walks mixed in there. So you can see that there wasn't a whole lot of train wreck to the inconsistency that was there. But there was inconsistency. And part of that inconsistency was a continued lack of availability. He had a wrist issue that shut him down in the middle of the summer. And yet, here I go swinging back again, his 131 and one-third innings would have ranked third on the 2023 Pirates by a gap of more than 50, meaning it was Mitch Keller, Johan Oviedo, and then inserting mythically here Clevenger, and then the next dude down was 50 behind. Repeating, this isn't exciting. If it was Clevenger from a handful of years ago, Clevenger pre-TJ, oh yeah, this would be groundbreaking stuff. As it is, He's just a guy, but he's just a guy who, if he gets you not one thing more than what he got you, what he got the White Sox, I should say, in 2023, you'll take him, and you'll take him at a fairly high rate of pay, meaning somewhere in the range of one year for around $10, $12 million. I think this might be the guy in surveying the remaining field of free agents. Yes, there are a couple of guys with the big names and the big continuing production in Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. They aren't coming to Pittsburgh. That's got a lot less to do with Bob Nutting and the franchise's revenues or cheapness or however anyone would care to characterize that, it has everything to do with the fact that these guys are right in their prime and they have their pick. And if they play for a team that's a winner, it makes their careers that much more satisfying, even easier in some ways. 
Also, and kind of relevant, they're infinitely more likely to get long-term contracts. Pirates aren't giving those out. It's just not going to happen. So, what am I doing here? What is this exercise? It's basically me getting tired of just speaking about what the pirates need to be doing or finger-wagging them over what they haven't done yet without at least throwing up a picture of what that picture would look like and why it's both realistic and right for them to go and get one of these guys. If you bring in a Clevenger type, if you bring in someone who's around that cost, who's around that level of commitment, and most important, who can come with that level of performance that we just saw from him in Chicago, then you have a rotation that becomes Mitch, the two other guys that Ben Charrington's already brought in, Marco Gonzalez and Martin Perez, and one other veteran who could slot in anywhere from third to fifth. And those numbers, you know this by now, following baseball as closely as you do to have pushed play on this podcast today, you know that those numbers don't matter much. A five that's attached to you early on can matter because it means you could get skipped in April. And that's really about it. That's that's the most overblown thing in baseball is numbering your starters. But doing it anyway, just for fun here. You would now have a one and a three through five. And what do you do with two? Well, as I was getting into yesterday, you could find a way to manufacture some bullpen games. You could be naive enough to pretend that Oscar Marine could fix any of Rowanzi Contreras, Quinn Priester, or Luis Ortiz, or at least give them a shot, one of them at a shot, or rotate them around a certain spot to give all three of them or just two of them a shot while you're killing the clock for Paul Skeens. Now, none of that works without my Clevenger prototype. And I should add, none of that works if even one of these individuals gets hurt. But I really wonder if there's enough cash, meaning allotted by ownership, to get two starters. The Aroldis Chapman signing puts the Pirates' payroll at $79.2 million. If this other starter costs well, kind of what I was just describing for Clevenger, somewhere in the 11, 12, whatever range. Then you're getting over 90, and then you're probably done, meaning with everything. Unless, of course, the front office or management gets to $100 million, as I've been publicly challenging them to do for several months now. But I'm not expecting that. And you can see where this is kind of cornering Charrington to an extent. And it's also, to repeat from yesterday, man, it really makes you wonder what the overarching thought process was behind Chapman. I'm fascinated to hear this the next time anyone associated with the Pirates speaks publicly. When we come back, J1Q...
This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door. Your car. Your bike. Your computer. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit ProjectChildSafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. J1Q comes from John, who says, DK, I love the daily shots. Thanks, John. Given the amount of free agents out there, is there one who stands out to you as a good fit for the Pirates, given their history of only giving out one-year deals at $10 million or less? There are a lot of big names left, Blake Snell, Cody Bellinger, and so forth, but the amount of bargain bin starting pitchers seems to be drying up. John, I'm glad you asked this question, even though... I already addressed the – you can call Clevenger a bargain bin. I, I don't know, man. Eight-figure salaries. I have a hard time with that terminology. But the reason that I'm glad you asked this is that I didn't mention who would be the other, meaning if there were a second, a starting pitcher and dot, dot, dot. And I still I – am, I'm not letting this one go. Okay, I could very well wind up wrong here. I don't understand not bringing Carlos Santana back. He played wonderfully for the Pirates and then later on for the Brewers. He became a legit leader in that clubhouse, befriended and mentored O'Neill Cruz through what had to be the toughest year of his baseball life, and did so to the extreme that the two of them are working out together in Tampa this winter. That's that's something. And on top of that, the day the Pirates trade him to Milwaukee, well, I shouldn't say the day, it was oh about a week after that. I was up in Milwaukee, and I go into the Home team's clubhouse at American Family Field, and Carlos lights up, not because it's me, but because I have something to do with the Pirates or Pittsburgh. And he goes on to say right there on camera, wearing a brewer's cap, meaning I'm holding my phone up, and he's declaring that he'd love to come back. But more important than any of the warm and fuzzy is that he produced. He was a really good player, ended up deserving a gold glove nomination at first base with a heavy push i should add from Derek shelton along the way there's no way he's going to get a contract longer than a year because it's his age 39 season even the kind of performance that he just had isn't going to allow him to get into any sort of 
meaningful dollar figure in the baseball context, meaning I think he'd be around a $6 million, $7 million type of signing. But he's still there. Nobody would reasonably trust Rowdy Telez. He's had one outstanding year in his career. If you can recreate it, awesome. Who's going to help you do that in Pittsburgh? Can't bank on that. Can't bank on him. And if you're getting into a platoon situation where you're mixing in Connor Joe and Jared Triolo, then at least dispense with the pretense that you're trying to do something significant toward contending. And I don't say that in any mean way. I respect both Joe and Triolo for what they've done. Uh, Joe, especially, he's a major league player at multiple positions. But if you're talking about first base and trying to generate power and doing so through a platoon, then you're not doing that with Joe or Triolo. One could make an argument that you might want to take this approach at second base as well, bring in a veteran. But, you know, Tamar Johnson is coming. It's not going to be in 2024, but if he continues to perform, especially the way he did in the second half of the past season in Greensboro, you're going to see him make a move. And by the time he makes a move and he arrives, he is the second baseman. And in the interim, it would behoove everyone to see what you have out of Leo Verpiguero, to see what you have out of Nick Gonzalez, number seven overall pick by Ben Charrington. And maybe even if anyone's still taking seriously the idea of Jihuan Bay at second, you can work him in there as well. But I don't want to see a blockage at that position. I'd rather see some sort of mix that allows you to try to tap the high end of what you might be able to get out of Pagero, especially. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone who listens to Daily Shot of Pirates. And we'll be back with another one of these on Monday. 